Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you and we thank you that we can um, look into your word and that you've given us opportunity to be able to come together to uh, spend time worshiping you, praying as a group, um, and also to look into your word. And we pray that as we look into your word, that our hearts would again be filled with love for you and that we would um, once again receive the good word that you want for us to be responding to. We pray that we would not have hard hearts, but that our hearts would be soft before you so that you can speak into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we are um, doing today the Luke chapter 8, which is uh, stories that Jesus told by the sea. And... uh, One of the stories that he told by the sea, and we're going to look at that today, is the parable of the sower, which is very familiar to us. And whenever we talk about something agricultural, I feel this need inside of me to um, tell all of you what a gardener, notice I left out wonderful, gardener I am, (laughs) which um, I think it's in all of us to want to plant something about this time of year. We're thinking we want to get something uh, started in our houses so that we're ready for, um, well, it used to be the May long weekend. Now with global warming, it's more like June. (laughs) So um, we want to be able to plant and to see something grow. So when I was first married, Arnie and I had a home in Calgary and and actually it was pretty warm in the backyard there so it was pretty easy to grow things and the lady who had lived there before had left a beautiful garden that just naturally did its thing every day and in the summertime always producing flowers and I thought well I'm I am a gardener and um, so I decided Arnie's very practical I don't know if you knew that about Arnie but he just cannot understand why we would have all these flowers and really what we need are vegetables. And so I thought, no problem, I can plant vegetables. So he dug another garden for me, which was an enormous amount of work. And um, then I came along and I planted the seeds. So I planted carrots and cauliflower and all kinds of vegetables that I thought would grow. And uh, watched this greenery come up over the summertime. And um, some of it was very lush looking and looked great and others of it um, not so great. So the stuff that looked really lush were these um, plants that grew up about this tall, and they had these little yellow flowers on the top. (laughs) And, you know, after the summer was progressing, I'm thinking, what did I plant there? And Arnie came out, and I said, what is this plant? He says, well, I think that's your cauliflower. (laughs) you know cauliflower is supposed to grow like this high and be a big white thing down there not a tall yellow thing and so um so that was gone I didn't do whatever it was I was supposed to do to that and so uh it got cold very early I'm used to Ontario where it gets cold in November 
So September 1st, November came. And I'm outside thinking, I need to get these carrots in before they freeze. And so I'm out there digging away, trying to get the carrots dug up. And Arnie comes up home after work. It's dark. And uh, he says, what are you doing out here? And I said, I've got to get these carrots in. And he says, well, why don't we use like one of those long, what are those long picky things called? A hoe. Why don't we use a, a hoe? Is that what it is? Pit, what? Spading fork. Oh, well, who would know that? <laughs> a spading fork to get it out instead of the spoon that you're trying to use, which wasn't digging up anything. So um, that being said, you know that anything I have to say about gardening, you'll probably want to take to heart because it will help you. So anyway, I've, I, have, I can't say that I've uh, learned how to garden, but I did figure out how to manage the garden. It's not having one because I live in a deep, dark forest now where I can't actually grow anything. It's not my fault. It's the forest. So that was the solution, is to move into a deep, dark forest where nobody expects you to have a garden. So we're in Luke chapter 8, and we're in the stories by the sea. And um, Jesus is talking, and he's talking... um, in parables, and we're going to read that. I'm just going to read to you the passage that we're looking at today, which is uh, Luke 8, verses 1 to 18. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, that would be great. And it came about soon afterwards that he began going about from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chaza, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. So it was these women who were um, helping them with food and that sort of thing. And when a great multitude were coming together, and those from the various cities, so these would be the cities around the Sea of Galilee, um, places like, uh, well, even Chorazan, Capernaum, all these areas around Galilee, were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. And other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable might be. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, in order that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. This is Jesus still talking. The seed is the word of God. And those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, 
these are the ones who have heard and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand in order that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that shall not become evident, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. Now, in reading that scripture, I don't know, but sometimes we hit some troubling verses and we kind of just keep passing over and we go, oh, I don't really like that verse. And we just keep reading. And I'm not going to let us do that. So there's two verses that I think, um, you know, really are a little bit troublesome, verses 10 and verse 18. And um, they're really going to, these verses are helpful to us in unlocking why we even have parables. Why did Jesus speak in parables? I don't know if you've ever wondered that, but um, it's a question that we ought to be asking the scriptures. So verse 10 says, And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That part's okay. But to the rest, it's in parables. Who are the rest? In order that seeing they may not see. What? And hearing they may not understand. What? Don't we usually want people to see and to understand? Like, why is Jesus saying this? And then he says um, in verse 18, he gives a warning, therefore take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. This does not fit our socialist view of mind. To him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And those are two troubling verses in this scripture. And when you read the um, parables, this parable is in the Synoptic Gospels, which means in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is uh, not one of the synoptic gospels. It's, it's got a different purpose. But in the synoptic gospels, this parable is in all three of them. And Jesus says this in all three of them. And so we need to um, understand it. And we understand those two verses, those troubling verses, by understanding the purpose of parables. And that will help us. So let's go back and unlock it a bit. So in um, verse 1, uh, we're looking at where Jesus is. And um, he's actually, in verse 1, Jesus is speaking to the general public. So remember I said he was going around all these uh, cities and, and they started to see what he was doing and then they started coming finding him. He couldn't go into the villages anymore because he was too many people were flocking him and, and he couldn't speak. So he started speaking down by the Sea of Galilee. And in fact, in the other two versions, we hear that he's actually in a boat and he's moved away from the shore so that the people can't sort of, you know, crowd him in. And, and it actually is like a natural amphitheater where he's able to speak and um, the people are listening and they can hear well because the sound travels well over uh, the water. So he's to the general public, 
proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come. Remember John the Baptist said that, prepare the way because the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus, when he started, said that, and now he's saying the kingdom of God has come and is coming. So he, he said both. And so he's proclaiming the kingdom of God to the general public, but in verse 10 he says, but to, to you he's explaining the mysteries of the kingdom of God to in this case the disciples but to those who believe he's explaining the mysteries of the kingdom of God and I just want to say something about mysteries there's a couple of uh, verses there's many verses we could look at but I just want to look at a couple of verses one is in Psalm 78 verse 2 and it says in that psalm um I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. And Jesus quoted that scripture when he's uh, speaking in Matthew and where he's going to tell the, the parable of the sower. It's in recorded in Matthew. And then in Deuteronomy 29, this is Moses, and he's, um, he's about to die, and he's just giving his last words before he's not going to be entering into the promised land but this new generation is going to be going into the promised land and he says um, an interesting thing as well he says in verse 29 of chapter 29 the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever why that we may observe all the words of this law and so the law is the word of God. And so what he's saying is that um, the mysteries are being revealed. Jesus is saying the mysteries are being revealed. Why? So that we may observe. The secret things belong to the Lord, but he does reveal things. For instance, with Abraham, do you remember? He revealed to him the destruction that was about to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. So there are things that God reveals to us, and he reveals through his word and it's up to us then to listen and to respond to whatever it is that he's revealing. So mystery in the Greek is musterion. And musterion is only, that word is only used in the Gospels and in Acts. And it's in reference um, to this. And it's, it doesn't mean that it's incomprehensible. We, used, we usually think of mystery as being, oh, well, this is incomprehensible. That's not the meaning here. The meaning here is that it's not that it's incomprehensible, but that it's not been revealed beforehand, and now it's going to be revealed. And so what has not been revealed beforehand, Jesus says, I'm revealing to you now, and that is the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And we're going to be um, learning about that through this parable. And so um, this mystery is now revealed. It's something new in content that Jesus is revealing to us. And so the question is, well, what is he revealing? What is it about the mystery of the kingdom of God? And what he's revealing to us as we go through the parables, and you'll really see it in this one, is that he is revealing to us what the kingdom of God is like as it comes to earth. And really, it's the period of time between his resurrection, which obviously wouldn't have happened at this point here, between his resurrection and his return. Because that period was really unknown to the Jews. It was unknown in the Old Testament. They knew the prophecies, but this is why they would get them mixed up between the first coming and the second coming. 
when Jesus didn't come, like it's described in the second coming, they thought, well, he can't be the Messiah. Like, this doesn't make sense. Well, it's because they didn't understand the difference between the first and the second coming and the intervening time. And Jesus is saying, okay, now is the time that I'm going to reveal this content to you. The stuff that hasn't been revealed before, I am going to now reveal. And it's like this. And so he tells the parable of the sower. He has the parable of the wheat and the tares in, in another um, gospel. And he has other parables like this to explain what this kingdom of God is like in this period of time. He's not talking about heaven. And he's also not talking about what was in the Old Testament. He's talking about this intervening time, which really had not been revealed up to that point. And so what he's saying as we um, go through the parable of the sower is different responses to the seed. And so we're going to be seeing that the, it's rejected by many and accepted by a few. So the word of God is going to be in this intervening time. Now we're in that time. So for us, this is very important what he's telling us because this is the time that we're, we're in. And he says that there are going to be people, many actually, who reject the word, and there are go always going to be some who will accept the word. There's always going to be good soil. And so um, the purpose is to know these mysteries of the kingdom of God and what we're supposed to do about that, how it's supposed to encourage us, um, and action that we should take based on that. So in verse 10, um, it says, To you it has been granted, so this would be to us, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables. Now, he quotes then out of the Old Testament, actually out of Isaiah 6, 9, and, and 10, um, in other Gospels where he's quoting this, they give a fuller um, quotation. Seeing, um, in order that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So I want to know who they is because I don't want to be one of those theys. And so we want to know who is he talking about? Who was it that kept rejecting the word of Jesus when he came? The Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes, those who were representing the Jewish nation and many in the Jewish nation were rejecting. And so what we see through all of that was the rejection by the Jewish nation of Jesus Christ as Messiah. They have not accepted Jesus as Messiah. And so um, this scripture where it comes from in Isaiah, it's not saying that there's these secrets that only um, the elite will know. It's not like um, Gnosticism where you have to achieve this higher level of knowledge that you know, the, the peons don't get to know. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is that continual rejection of the word of God leads to a hard heart and rejection of the word of God. And so the more we reject the word of God, the harder our hearts become, the more we reject the word of God. And that's what he's saying here. They were given all of this light and they rejected the light. And so Jesus is really giving us warning. So it's a warning, but it's also a promise. It's a promise in that those who, um, you know, the divine judgment is coming on those who continually reject the word of God. But enlightenment, because he says, 
to you it's been revealed. So enlightenment is coming to those who accept the word of God, who receive the word of God. He gives further light to them. And so um, we can count on what Jesus is saying to these people. Now, just a word of caution about parables. Parables should never be used to come up with new doctrine because they're, they're difficult to understand. They're meant to be illustrative, like they illustrate um, a principle or a doctrine, but we don't come up with new doctrine. And I could give you some examples of how we've gone off, um, different people have gone off because they've taken a parable and they've created a doctrine out of that parable. And so we don't want to do that, but parables are, they're not used for standalone doctrines, um, but they do underscore doctrine that's taught elsewhere in scripture. And that's, that's what we're trying to do with the parable is understand what is the doctrine that's being taught that Jesus is teaching using a story or a parable. So this parable, we have um, the four things. The uh, seed by the wayside, by the road, the rocky soil, the thorns, and then the good soil. So let's just have a look at it again. The sower, I'm in verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed. What is the seed? The word of God. Yes, that's the seed. The seed is the word of God. And so the sower goes out to sow the word of God. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot. So they would have pathways through their fields for, you know, shortcuts, and it was a recognized pathway. And if the seed fell on that pathway, well, nothing would grow because it got trampled underfoot. And so um, it's just laying on top. It's a hard surface, and the birds come and eat it up. It's gone. Have you ever seen a, a farmer when he's out plowing the field and the, all those seagulls, they come from like the ocean to Alberta <laughs> to eat that seed. That's what I thought they were at first. I realized since then that's not the case. <laughs> Look at verse 12. And those beside the road, Jesus is explaining. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes. So the devil is the birds in the first thing. And those are devil birds. They're probably magpies. <laughs> and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. So he snatches that good word. It's not the seed that's the problem. It's the fact that the devil has snatched away the word of God. So sometimes, you know, um, if you've ever seen on football games, John 3.16, actually there, I heard a testimony once of somebody who was saved through that, through the football game, and which is because that's the word of God. But other people just goes past them. They don't even really see it. They don't even hear the word of God. I don't know if you've watched a TV show where there's a lot of, if you know the word well, you start to hear, wow, they are quoting scripture so much. But most people watching it, it would just go right past them. They, d they don't get the, the pictures, the word pictures that really are biblical word pictures. And so that would be a case like that, where the seed falls on this hard ground, but the devil just snatches it away, and they don't even explore it or think about it or ponder it, and uh, consequently are not able to um, respond to it. Uh, the second one, other seed fell on rocky soil, 
And as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Now, we've all seen um, seeds that, you, that, well, that would be my garden totally, 100%, where, you know, you are really good the first week, and then you kind of forget about it for two months, and then you go, what happened? Everything's all withered up because um, it didn't have any moisture. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, comes up, it sprouts, they're happy, they, they come to church, they're you know, engaged, they want to do things and be involved with uh, God's people, but they don't have a firm root. And they believe for a while, but in time of temptation, they fall away. And the temptation can take many different forms, but whatever their temptation is, it pulls them away and they no longer want to be a part of God's family. So that's the rocky soil. The third one, other seed, verse 7, fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And it explains, and the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries, anxieties, difficulties, riches, which distract them, and the pleasures of life. So it's, you know, good and bad things that happen to them distract them. And so the seed um, doesn't bring forth any fruit. There's no maturing in them, and therefore no fruit. The fourth one, though, is the one that we hope that we all fall into this category. And other seed fell into the good soil and grew up, and produced a crop a hundred times as great. In the other scriptures, it says 30, 60, 100 fold, and Luke just gets right to the chase. A hundred fold is going to be, it produces. And um, he explains that one, the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. It takes perseverance. Gardening takes perseverance, and the same thing with producing that fruit in us. And so he says that um, the good soil, which is where I want us to focus, that in verse 15 he says they hold it fast, and we hear that in the book of Hebrews, to hold fast your confession. So it's held fast. It's not snatched away by the birds of the air. Um, And they bear fruit with perseverance because of that honest and good heart. Jesus, when he enters into our hearts, when he um, gives us a, a, a new heart, it's a good and honest heart. It's not a heart that's full of deceit and wickedness. It doesn't mean that we never lie, because sometimes we still do, even though we have a good heart, but we have conviction, and we repent of whatever it is, that lie or whatever it is that we've done. But the heart is not really the issue anymore because he has given us an exchanged heart. He's taken away that heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. And that heart of flesh is beating for him. And so um, he says that is a good and honest heart. That's the heart that he gives to us. We didn't make it good. He made it good by what he did for us at salvation. And so um, that heart is wanting to hold the word fast, to ponder it, to think on it, to let it affect us, to change us. And um, it results in fruit, in bearing fruit. So um, God is the one who produces fruit, and we get to bear it. So that good fruit is us. 
and we can look at um, you know Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit of the spirit and see what is the good fruit the good fruit is you know love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and all these good things that this is the good fruit but it comes with perseverance. It takes perseverance to be in the word of God. It takes perseverance to allow God to be working in us. It takes perseverance when we fail sometimes to come back and be lifted up again by the Lord that we might go forward. Sometimes we don't say things when we ought to say things, and certainly we say things when we ought not to have said things. And so these things um, are part of the change that's happening in us. So um, each of those ones we're looking at f to be different. And in Second Peter, I just want to talk about the seed for a minute. The seed, again, is the what? The word. And in Second Peter, this is Peter writing to um, believers, and he says in chapter uh, 1, verse 3, and he's going to be talking about all these um, different... Um, attributes but he starts with saying this seeing that his divine power speaking of jesus power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence so that life and godliness that he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness through his word it's through knowing him and having that true knowledge, that epinosis, which is the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. The true knowledge of Jesus Christ is not just a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge, it's combined, it's both. And so we walk it out. It's a walking out knowledge of Jesus. The true believer is the one who walks out the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so he says, we have everything that we need. We have the Holy Spirit within and we have the word of God that gives us, um, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the word of God. So that word of God is all sufficient. The seed is all sufficient. Everything is in that seed for growing the fruit that he is calling out of us. And so um, you think about that. It's total. Everything is in that seed to produce. If it's a wheat seed, everything is in it for that whole wheat plant and producing more seed. And so we have... Um, the totality of the word of God. We've got the unity of the word of God. And the unity of the word of God is everything that um, all through, how many books do we have in the Bible again? 66. How many books are we supposed to know? 66. Because all of them tie together. All 66 books are unified in one beautiful unity, which is really about Jesus Christ. And so all scripture is useful for, you know, rebuking and correcting and teaching and training in righteousness, that we need all scripture for that, not just a few verses here and there. So it's all there, it's all contained in the word, it's all unified in the word, and it's all sufficient. It's everything that we need for, it's sufficient for us for living a life of godliness, for living the new life that we've been called into. And so um, that seed, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The issue is the soil. That's the issue. The seed is perfect. Everything about the seed is perfect, but the soil is the issue, and the soil is what we're wanting to examine in our own hearts. He goes on to talk about um, the light, 
and uh, it says in verses 16 and 17, now no one after lighting a lamp, and right away we think of the Sermon on the Mount, and this is not what we're supposed to think when we read this. It's not talking about the lamp that's on the hill. So if it's not talking about that, what is it talking about? Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, unless of course you're eight and you're reading at night and you're not supposed to be reading at night. <laughs> I burned a hole in one of my blankets doing that. Okay, but normal people do not do that. Um, but instead puts it on a lampstand in order that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that shall not become evident, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. We just read about secrets. We just read about that which is hidden. We read about mysteries. It's still talking about the mystery. The mystery of that period of time that Jesus had come to reveal to them. The mystery of the kingdom of God coming. It has come to earth. It wasn't here before. We had the promise of the kingdom, but it didn't come until Jesus came and brought salvation and then gave us his Holy Spirit after he had ascended into heaven. Now we have this period of time that we are now living in before he returns. So the kingdom of God has come, but it is coming in all its fullness when he returns. And in the meantime, this mystery is being revealed. And he says that we don't light a lamp and then cover it. He's saying it is now being revealed. The kingdom of God is being revealed. So we don't keep this kingdom now as a secret. We're about revealing the kingdom of God has come. Just like John the Baptist, we want to be out there proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God has come and is even coming even more. And so um, it's not our light that, is, that we're talking about here. There are other passages for that. I'm not saying that we don't show our light, but really what we're doing here is we're talking about God's light and his light, the kingdom, is being revealed. And so he's the one who is revealing it and he chooses us to reveal it through. I, th I think that's amazing. I mean, he could have chosen so many other ways. And probably other ways that would have been a lot more effective. And yet, he said, you know what? I really love you. Have you ever um, tried to teach a little one how to cook? And you just want to go, Ugh. let me just do it for you. Because they're, they're just like making a mess and they don't know what they're doing. And when they mix it, it's like barely mixed, and they go, all done. And you're thinking, that's a long ways from done. It's just, it's so hard to watch, shall I use the word inept? <laughs> um, it's really hard to watch it. And yet all the time, what is the Lord doing with us? He's watching us as we proclaim the kingdom of God. He totally could do it so much better than us. But why do we put up with teaching a little one how to cook? It's not just so that I don't always have to cook for the rest of my life, although maybe that might have been in there. It's actually because I love them. And so I took the time to teach them and spend time with them and to help them to become cooks themselves. And so Jesus is doing that with us. He's taking the time. He's using us to proclaim his kingdom. He's trusting us with this marvelous word. 
And he's saying, you can do this. I'm showing you how to do it. I'm hanging in there with you. I am patient with you. I love you. And I really want people to hear about me through you because I want them to hear how much you love me. And so that's what we get to do, is we get to proclaim this wonderful um, message of the kingdom of God to other people. And what a privilege that is. But he does tell us, um, you know, just so that you know, he says, there will be people who reject it. And if you read this parable, three out of four reject, really. Um, it's only the fourth one that, you know, that's 75-25 if you want to put some math to it. Mostly they reject. You know, the, the pathway to hell is broad. But we're about helping people to get on that narrow way, the narrow way that leads to heaven, the way to Jesus Christ. And so um, there is rejection of the word by many, but there is acceptance by some. And the question is, where are you? Where am I? I hope I'm accepting the word, not just believing about Jesus in general, but actually believing the things that he says to me and reading his word because I want to know what he says to me. I don't want to just know a few verses. I want to actually know the whole thing and to really be versed in it so that when I confront anything that comes up in my life, good or bad, I, can't, I have a template of, of what I'm going to do about that of what I'm going to say, of what I'm going to think, of my worldview. Is it going to be a biblical worldview or is it still going to be stuff that I learned, you know, in school that is, is contrary to the biblical wor worldview? So um, I want to listen. Now look at, look at this last verse. Therefore, take care how you listen. And I just want us to go back and look at these other three verses, um, 12, 13, and 14. This is the uh, 12 is about the um, those beside the road, they have heard. Those who have heard. Those beside the road who have heard. Verse 13, the rocky soil, when they hear. Verse 14, um, and the seed which fell among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard. So all of them heard, but only the good soil bore fruit. All of them heard. And so what's the difference between how they heard and how the good soil hears? And the secret is in verse 18. Therefore, take care how you listen. Have you ever said to a little child, and you're talking to them, and you're talking to them, and they're not listening to you, and you're saying something to them, and they're not hearing you? They hear, but they don't listen. And you take their little hand, and you go... Listen to me. And you say it very carefully with eye contact. There's a difference between hearing and listening. And Jesus says, take care how you listen. So he's calling us to really listen to um, what he says. For whoever has, this, this scripture is constantly pulled out of context. Have we talked about material wealth today. Is that what this parable is all about? Material wealth. And yet this scripture has been used constantly by people to say, if you've got wealth, he's going to give you more. That has nothing to do with the context. 
So listen, let's listen to what he says. For whoever has, we're not talking about material wealth. Whoever has, what are we talking about? What's the seed? The word. Whoever has the word of God, listening, taking it in, good soil, bearing fruit, to him shall more be given. And whoever does not have, i.e. rejecting, the bird snatch it away or whatever, even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. And so we're called to have that listening ear. Now, how do I know I'm listening? How do I know I'm a listener? Because I want to be a listener. So how do I know? And we know because we have a changed heart. Well, how do I know I have a changed heart? The word of God is used in our lives to change us. But how do I know if I'm changed? I'm changed when I'm bearing fruit. I know when I was angry versus when my temper was controlled. I know when it's really love that I'm operating out of versus an obligation. Like I know these things, and you do too. You know these things. You know what God is doing in you. You know if that's really good fruit, whether he'd be pleased with that or if it's just, you know, glazed over. You've, you've put icing on it, but underneath it's not so good. We know that. And so um, he's calling us to really listen to him, for whoever has to him shall more be given. Oh, how I pray that this be you, that you have the word of God, and God is still giving you more, and he is just pouring it out on you so that you have this changed heart and are producing this beautiful fruit that is just so pleasing to him. How I pray this for you, and I do pray for you, and I hope that this is true in me as well, that we are a people of God who love him and are producing fruit because this is the place where there's plenty of good soil. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you um, speak to us in these, um, in revealing to us these mysteries, that things that weren't always understood in times past, you've now revealed to us, and you've called us to be digging into your word that we might um, really dig up those treasures that you have buried there, and that we might have understanding, and that we might be um, taking in your word and that it might be producing in us a tree that is bearing much fruit. So we would just ask, Lord, that you would um, help us to have understanding, especially when we open up your word when we're by ourselves and um, there's no one there to kind of help us. We know that we have your Holy Spirit who um, helps us to understand all things. So we pray that uh, we might be those kind of people and bear fruit that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like you just to stand. I'm going to read from Jude, which is one of my favorites to read from. As a blessing to us, short book, but he says at the end, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life. 
hope, and true transformation. If you have questions, suggestions, and feedback you would like to share with us, please use our email service at infomillivillechurch.org. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available.